again. So this is really the disciples' prayer or a model prayer. The Lord's prayer is more with um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we talked about that last week. And I just want to make sure that we all understand that we have to get into a point of talking about, you know, what can prayer do? What is, is when we get in those last verses of the so-called model prayer, disciples' prayer, is what we really need. And let's read our the disciples' prayer one more time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Today's sermon is truly not for perfect people. And, and I would say that many times we come in church and we're like, you know what, my stuff don't stink. So he's talking to some other people. He's talking about some other folks who got struggles. But he ain't talking to me. So I would tell you, this sermon not for you. If, if your stuff is all right, you good? You good. You're not going to be feeling this. But if you're saying, you know what, I got some struggles. I, I got some things I know I'm coming short of. I'm missing the mark on. That, that I would rather, to, this morning, I would have rather been in bed, sleeping on my good quilt, than coming up out of church. I would rather not be praying. I'd rather not hear all that singing. We at times can get like that. And, and so this is not a sermon for perfect people. And we have to get to that point where we got to realize where we are. And so when we see that our first thing that we have to realize, and we're coming in verse 11, give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. We have to realize that Jesus is my crutch. See, when we're praying this, we're first saying, we already said that God was holy. We reverence him. We said that that. God, that, you know, let your will be done, things of that nature. Now we come to the point where it's us. We focus on God in that first part last Sunday, and this Sunday, we're focused on us. God, give us our daily bread. And this is what we do. So many times we have run over this whole Lord's Prayer. Some of us have, have families where we just say it before a meal or before Thanksgiving. Sometimes we said it in church, and it really doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just whatever. But God is saying, I want you to get deep with me. Because it says, give me my daily bread. Give me my daily bread. What we're recognizing here, God, Jesus is telling disciples, you have to recognize you are dependent upon God. That God is your crutch. Now let me, under, let me just say something. If you have a crutch, do you have some struggles? If you have a crutch, that means you can't walk right yourself. If you have a cane, you need some help. If somebody got to get you up, uh-uh. If somebody got to get you up, then you are fine. We're fine. So, so when you have all of that, you, we have to understand we're on a crutch life. So many times we want to walk around and like, we have nothing. Nothing's wrong with us. But when we get deep inside ourselves, we have struggles. Now, this is what God is saying. This is what Jesus wants us to understand. When he says our daily bread, he is telling us that he is talking about all of our needs. Not just our physical needs, because we have physical needs. Lord, I need you to help me keep my lights on. 
Lord, I need you to help me have food in this refrigerator. And what God is saying, I'm going to address your needs daily. Now, is there a difference between need and want? Because some of us, you know, we look at the cars we have, the homes we have. When I was a kid, we would be in a car, my sister and I, and we called Pick a House. We had Pick a House. So when my mom would be driving on Mockingbird from our house to uh, 75, you drive through Highland Park. And Highland Park is our Beverly Hills, right? And, and, and you, you're like, ooh, I want that house. No, I want that house. And we picking a house. And in Highland Park, they got all the windows up. All the, the blinds is up. And I don't know how you live like that. Because I'd be scared. Everybody looking at my stuff, ready to steal my stuff. But you know, in Highland Park, everybody got their own. So you're not, nobody's struggling. And if I come over there, looking in the windows, I will be picked up in five minutes. Probably less than that. All right? That's just, that's just a real thing. So, so they all got their windows up so you can see inside. You're like, oh my goodness, they got this, this, and this. And, and, and it's always, no one in Holland Park, when we do pick a house, got a dirty house. You know, because that's the other reason why we don't want to lift our blinds up. I don't want you to steal my stuff that I did get, but I don't want to see the junk in my house either. So, so when we did pick a house, the house always looks perfect. But did I need that Holland Park house? Because with a Holland Park house comes high tax. With a Holland Park house come a lot of scrutiny. With a Holland Park house come with a lot of stress. We were doing trick or treat with the kids, and, and, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, we go to University Park. Because they're giving out everything. They're giving out all kinds of stuff. You know, when you come to our neighborhood, we're barely giving out a cup of candy. You know, if we all giving out the candy. So you go over to the university, they're giving out, they're giving out well, lights and all, all kind of stuff. And, and so the, what we were finding was some of those houses were foreclosed. Big mansions. Why did it get foreclosed? A lot of stress. If the job, if you lose your job, you, it's out. You're done. So you have that stress. You have that stress. But did I need the mansion? Some of us would look at certain cars, man, I would like that Corvette. I would like that Lexus. I'm tired of my Pinto, my Kia. I want the big Tahoe. But do I need that? God is saying, I'm not going to address your wants all the time, but daily I'm going to address your needs. I'm going to address your needs. And so God is saying that the thing that you have to understand, if the birds have a nest, and the grass itself is not struggling, why would I not take care of you? So I'm going to address your needs. So we have a physical need. God said I will address your spiritual needs. I'm going to address your needs. We have a need to have a communication with God. We have a need for the Bible. We have a need for prayer. We have a need for that nourishment to our soul. We have a need. We also have emotional needs. God says, I will address all your needs. Now, this is what it's also saying, that I'm dependent upon God, but God is also a provider. See, you don't want to ask somebody who can't give you anything. You don't want to go to the bank and the bank can't give you any money. You don't call people who you know are going to tell you no. Amen? You don't call. There's some people in here you know you won't call. Oh, I ain't going to call Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam always going to tell me no. But you will call Uncle Joe. Or oh, for me, I call Uncle Mose. You know they're going to help you out. 
It's some folks you call, they're going to make an excuse why they can't help you. And you know in their heart, you know they can help you. But they're not going to help you. That's just how it is. I know if I call my dad, dad, something wrong with the car. Okay, they're doing this and this and this. He's going to come up with a list of things of how he can help me. God is coming up with his list of things of how he can help you. God is saying, I want to provide for you. I truly want to be a father. Remember when we first started this, he said, we need to dress God as Abba, Daddy. Not something abstract, not something distant, but something close. So we need to address our daddy and say, Daddy, I need some things. See, that's a real father. See, a real father provides not just financially, but emotionally. Not just emotionally, but also spiritually. That's a real father. A real father is going to take some things that they shouldn't take. This morning I took our boys out. I said, we're going to pick up the trash out here. Then we sat, I sat them down. And I said, we have to understand as a man, we have different responsibilities than a woman. That's the honest truth. I don't want our boys, everything that's going on now can get you confused. There are roles that a man needs to be. I shouldn't see a whole bunch of women picking up the trash. It should be us. There's a role that a man has more responsibility. And a man cannot make excuses. That's a real man. A real man will own up to his mistakes, his shortcomings. A real man will. A sorry man will duck and hide. We got a lot of duck and hide brothers around. They duck and hide from their children. They duck and hide from their wives. They duck and hide from their girlfriends. They duck and hide from other baby mamas. They duck and hide from the job. They duck and hide from the church. They duck and hide. They just a male, not a man. But God here is saying, I don't duck and hide from you. If anything, I don't slumber nor sleep. I am constantly with you. So God is saying, I want to give to you daily your needs. Now, some of us can get confused and think that the prosperity gospel is strong in this verse. It's really weak. Because in prosperity, I'm supposed to get all I want. God going to give me, I put a, a $10 in today. I know the Lord going to bless me with a 1000 Nowhere in the Bible going to say that. But God said, I'm going to give to you daily. The needs that you need. So, God give us that. Now, this is where the struggle comes. So, we love to hear that God will give to me daily. Praise the Lord Jesus. But the forgiveness, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Now, what does that mean? Let, let's get to that, this verse. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. We're asking God to forgive us. God forgive me. Lord, I, need, Lord, I messed up. In, in this verse, that debt means something. I missed the mark of the high calling of the Lord. I missed the mark. But the question is, we are easy to ask for forgiveness, but are we easy to give forgiveness? Does anybody have a grudge on somebody today? Anybody? Somebody raise their hand and say, I got a grudge. That's all right, say. Got one. I got one. Somebody else got, got two. Got three. Come on, I know I got some more folks who got some grudges on folks. I got some. Okay, see now, okay. 
We somebody somebody else got a grudge? Anybody got a grudge or a hurt that's lasted more than a week? Anybody got a hurt that lasts more than a month? Anybody got a hurt that lasts more than six months? Anybody got a hurt that lasts more than a year? Anybody got a hurt that lasts more than two years? Come on, anybody got a hurt that lasts more than five years? Come on, anybody got a hurt that lasts more than ten years? So I lost some folks at the five. Some of us got some hurts that go all the way back to our childhood. Some of us, last night, watching T.O., and I, I like T.O. I, 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 I don't like him because of, of who he is. I like him because I feel like the brother needs a good passion in his life. He really do. He just needs some Jesus on his soul. He need a good, some good male leadership. I feel like if he had got drafted by the Colts and Tony Dungy, he would have been a whole different guy. But because he always got with coaches, and at the end, towards the end of his playing career, he got with Bill Parcells, who would not even acknowledge him at all. He only would call him the player. This is at the point where he had got to the point of trying to kill himself. Why do I say that? This man grew up. He grew up not knowing who his father was until he was 11 years old. And at 11 years old, he found out that the man across the street was his daddy. He found out via, don't look at this girl, that's your sister. Not that I'm your daddy, you don't need to look at this girl at 11 years old, because that's your sister. The man that across the street, who married with his family, who himself does not have any sons, saw this boy T.O. every day with his grandmother and never acknowledged that that is my son. For, for 11 years old, the boy grew up like that. And up till he was almost 40, his daddy finally apologized. He had a hurt for 40 years. Now why do I even bring that up? Because, see, God is asking us to forgive. So we get into these stages of forgiveness. I can't forgive that. There's some folks that have been through some things that you may have been through rape. You may have been through sexual abuse. You may have been uh, forgotten by your parents. You may have been a second place child. Because there's a, a thing of that. That they gave everything to the other child and you were just second place. You were just, uh, oh, oh, yeah, you here too. Why don't you go on over there then? Here, we got a couple crumbs. But here, I'm giving the, the cake to my favorites. You can take some of the crumbs. I see that she had some leftovers I give to you. That's a hurt. And we have a hurt that has lasted for decades. And what God has said to us, he said, you know what? I know you got that hurt. I know you're in the belief you can't forgive. But you can ask God for the strength to forgive. Because until you forgive, you're blocking your blessings. Until you forgive, you're hurting your fellowship with the Lord. You may have a relationship with God, but your fellowship is not good. I may be married, but if I'm not in unity with my wife, I don't have a fellowship with my wife. Yeah, I'm married, but I really ain't doing well in my fellowship with my wife. So bring it back to my Christian life. In my Christian life, I may be a child of God, but my fellowship looking ragged. Because I'm not forgiving. There's some folks in here today, that, and I thought about it, I thought about it, I said, I might have everybody pull out your cell phone and call the person that you wanted to tell them, I forgive you. Thought about it. 
And I'm still thinking about it. Because this is the thing. We'll get in here, we get all Christian, and we get, you right, Pastor, you right, Pastor. Then when we get up out of the door, that, boop, boop, better not ever try to call me. Better not ever try to text me. Boop, boop. And I won't ever tell that fool I forgive him. And fool with light. This is what I'm saying. You're blocking your blessings. You're giving that person more power than they should have. And then ultimately, what are you? You are the living message of God on this earth right now. So when I don't forgive, when I act ugly and act a fool with somebody, they're saying, well, that's a Christ in you. And you, it's always that person want to say, and you probably be a Christian. You know, and then you really want to get wild. Well, let, well, let me show you, boop, boop, what a Christian, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. It's a, it'll sound like Bernie Mac in here. You'll be like, oh, really? But God is saying here, we have to forgive. You want to be forgiven? You have to forgive. You got to let it go. You, and this is, the, this is the biggest thing. God is saying through this, do you trust me? Because that's what the forgiveness is. You don't forgive because you want to control. When you do forgive, you put it in God's hands. Do you trust God enough to handle your problems? Do you trust God enough to solve your situations? Do you trust God enough? Someone said, well, I don't. Well, we got a problem, Houston. Because you always are not going to hit your full potential because you don't trust God. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've been there. I was there this week. I was there this week where I'm like, I don't even want to talk to me. Because I was so frustrated with all parts of my life. And then you know, people, but look at the good side. I don't want to look at no good side. I want to look at my problem. I got to, if, if my arm about to fall off, I don't want to look at, will the rest of my body look good? So you don't want to hear all that. But God is saying, wait. Because I do want you to look at it. Because see, I've been blessing you daily. I didn't bless you yearly, weekly, monthly. I've been blessing you daily. You have this because of me. Now, the truth is, the problems that you have are so small. The, the grudge that you've been holding on to for maybe more than a year, maybe more than five years. Some of us got some grudges on our baby daddies because they ain't been no daddy. They were just a donor. And you mad because when you got with them, they told you a good line. And the truth is, the truth is you mad with yourself too. Because you got hustled. And you mad. you like, now how did I get my fool behind fool by that fool? It's all fools. You mad. Because you don't understand. Because you say, I know I'm smarter than that. And I got hustled. Now this dude don't even do nothing. I'm up here by myself. I'm mad. God wants you to forgive yourself too. Some of us have some grudges on ourselves, on ourselves that's been decades coming. We've been so angry. Some of us who are men don't know how to be men because our fathers were not there. We are angry with our fathers. We are, some of our ladies don't know what a good man looks like because that father was not there. So we are angry at our fathers. Then we are angry at our mothers because they have allowed this mess to occur. Mama, you are supposed to protect us. Why didn't you make a good decision? So we mad at mama. We mad at the family. We mad at everybody. We mad at God. 
And then at this point, we get to a mirror, when we get really real with ourselves, we get in the mirror, we get upset. We get upset because when we look in the mirror, we are disappointed because we allowed ourselves to get here. That's where I was this week. I wasn't mad at everybody else. I was not mad at God. I was mad at myself because I allowed myself to get here. I allowed myself to fall short. I did it to myself. I can't blame everybody else. Because you got to acknowledge your situation, but then you got to acknowledge where you are and, the play, and how you played that part in that situation. But we hold on to the grudge. And you know what that grudge does? It's like a cancer. It's eating your life inside. You, you know, the truth is that person got grudge on, you know you got that number in your phone. You know you got that number in your phone. You know that's the number, you, if you went through your history, you, don't, you look at the number, but you don't call it. I know I got some, a, a number from college that I had held onto it so strong that it was destroying my other relationships. Where I had got so angry at that person and God, and I was angry at myself because I allowed myself to get hustled, that then I was replaying that mess in other relationships. Because I had given everything that I was, and in return I got nothing. That's how I felt. So, you, so when I came to a point, because I did not want to forgive, I said I would give everybody else nothing. I was angry. I was like, I don't care about anybody. I don't care about your feelings. And I was in a cancer stage four situation. On a stage of destruction. I had got to the point where I was in college, and no, I'm sorry, law school, and that anger really crept up there. It got wild and crazy. And to the point God said, until you want to deal with me and get real with me, Mark, you're not going to be successful in this law school. They're going to kick you out. Got booted out. Did not understand. Was angry. Got to a point well, I'm selling ladies' shoes. I got a college degree. How am I selling ladies' shoes? And some of them feet that were coming in were black. And the person was white. So I didn't understand how they had a black foot. But I had a trend. Oh, yes, ma'am. It's good. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Yes, ma'am. Okay, yes. Had to do all that. Because I had allowed myself to not forgive. So I was blocking my blessings. I was so angry. I was so angry I was blocking my blessings. And see, when you, sometimes some of us got hit all the way back right to the bottom of the rock. Sorry, the lecture comes out sometimes. To the bottom of the rock. Well, now I'm back at home. I have my own place. Now I'm back at home with my people. You know, when you got your own place, you can roam around, do whatever, whatever. When you back with your people, you better not try to do all that stuff. You back with your people for free. You can't be acting like, well, I don't know where y'all do that. No, you for free. You better hush your, you don't pay a bill. You better hush. Why didn't we do this? No, you, you, you might be an adult, but you in this child, and you're in this house, you're a child now. Because I'm back with my people. I'm living at my people's house. But God was saying, I'm going to humble you enough to get your mind right. I'm going to get you so much, I'm going to get your mind right. Because you're going to have to understand where you need to be in me. But see, all that came, see, all that struggle came because I didn't want to forgive. It came a point in time where my, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, 
said, you need to go let some baggage go. Because, see, now you're trying, but you're struggling. See, because we so, so many times try to fake and shake. We try to fake, like, I'm, I, I got this. I've let that go. You have not let it go. Until, many times, until you've spoken to that person and said, I forgive you. I forgive you for what you've done to me. And you don't, And the thing is, when you forgive, you are not forgiving because you want a response back. You are not forgiving because they're going to do something back that you like. You're not forgiving for that. You are forgiving because you are letting it go. And they can cut you out. You're like, I forgave you. And you walk on. I forgave you. Too many times we want to forgive somebody on a condition. God says, I forgave you unconditionally. I forgave you when my son came down and I let him live on this earth for 33 years. I was forgiving you. I forgave you back here in Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, I said, you know what? I'm going to start a process of forgiving. I'm already going to have a plan for them that's going to last 2,000 years. Then my son going to come and he's going to die on a cross for people who spit in my face, cussing me out. But I forgive you because you didn't trust me. Even Adam, you didn't trust me. You wanted to be like me. You want to be like that fool behind Lucifer and be like that mess. And look where he is. Now where you want to be? Well, you know what? I'm going to save you from yourself. That's what God said. I forgive you. I'm going to save you from yourself. And so God is saying the same thing to us today. Don't be trying to forgive on condition. We want to forgive when daddy, when the daddy who wasn't there finally says, no, I'm sorry. Well, I'll forgive you. No! Sometimes you got to forgive somebody before they know they need to be forgiven. Let me say, you need to forgive some people before they need to know that they need to be forgiven. We wait too much. And I'm, I, I'm, we're going to revisit this whole series. We're going to break everything down. Because when I looked at this, I'm like, well, this could be the whole series. Because there's so much in these few verses that God is trying to hit home for us strong. And that we are struggling with on a daily basis. And so, going back to my wife, she said, you're going to need to call. I called her. Called a young lady. Hurt. I was hurt. Wanted to cry. But I said, I forgive you. Been some years later, I forgive you. You know, I had cried and, and all that stuff beforehand. I had been hurt. I have been dismayed. I forgive you. I didn't bring all that up. I just said, I forgive you. It was not on the condition of that. It was on, I knew I was blocking my blessing of this relationship because I was holding on to the baggage of my past. Do you have a situation like that right now? Where you can see the blessing, but you can't touch it because you are all focused on your past. You won't date a man because you know how the other man treated you. You won't trust a man. And let me really get real. Then we move into that next uh, point. Some of my ladies will not date another man, and it might be a really good man. But because that siren joker messed up, because daddy was jacked up, you don't want to trust. And you're scared to death. And so you make all kinds of excuses. Well, you're not there for me. Well, I was here last night with you. I called you this morning. You didn't pick up. I'm thinking we need to break up. What? What, what did I do? I'm just saying I called, I texted you. I needed you right here. But I was there last night. What you talking? I'm sorry. It's not working out. I'm, I'm done. 
Um, I prayed about it. And I just don't think we're spiritually yoked. But I'm a preacher. What you talking about? We come up with the excuses because we are so living in fear and we're holding on to our past and we have not forgiven ourselves and the people and our situations and we have not given it to God. We are blocking our blessings. And when you block your blessings, understand if I had not called that young lady, I don't have two more blessings in my children today. If I had not done and called that young lady, I truly believe I would not be an attorney today. I believe the stabling force of my wife helped me to become an attorney today. I, I truly believe I would not have, would the mayor himself, the mayor of Dallas, want to come and visit our church. I truly believe I had held on to that hate and that grudge that if I did not listen to that woman, that all that stuff still be in my, in my parents' house. Talking about, y'all pay the cable bill. Because it's not working today. You see, all of that because I was holding on to the mess. It's so important. So we have to forgive. I'll tell you today, you got somebody, forgive them today. Forgive them. They might not even know they hurt you. Tell them I forgive you. And really forgive them. Let it go. So we get into our next point. We ask and extend forgiveness. We come to our next point. Well, we have to understand that we are asking for God's protection from temptation and from evil. What does that mean? Temptation itself is not, to be tempted is not a sin. To fall into temptation different. What, what does that mean? For my, my, my brothers in here, young lady coming here with a tight skirt, red skirt, walking like this, high heels. How you doing? Good to see how you doing. That's temptation. That's temptation. Just because she here don't mean that's a sin. That's just temptation. Now this is where I sin, or what we can sin. Look, Pastor, back it up, Pastor. <laughs> Why? <laughs> we, we mess up, because it's all right to like, oh, how you doing, ma'am? This is what we mess up. When I look back, well, that sure is a nice skirt. That's the mess up. It's not the first look, it's that second look when you look. Well, she sure has got some nice heels. Lord mercy. Oh, my Lord. That's the mess up. See, see, I went from temptation to the sin. Temptation is not me. Well, McDonald's is a sin. No, McDonald's is not a sin. The temptation is, do I stop and go through the drive-thru and get the double cheeseburger? Now, I have now seen, me personally, because that's a self-control problem. The temptation not having alcohol in your house, the, the sin is, am I getting drunk off all that alcohol? See, some of us have a little wine before we go to bed. That's not a sin. The sin is, not. I didn't drink the whole wine bottle. And I'm talking about, I love you. You know, I forgive you. That, that's your problem. Now I got drunk up in here. The sin is not when somebody cussing me out, and, they, and that's, that's the, the temptation was, do I cuss them back out? The sin becomes without boop, 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 well, you boop, 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 too. And boop your family. That's the sin. We have to understand. We're asking God, God, give me that escape from temptation. 
God says, I, I'm going to give you that sin. Submit to me and resist the devil. You got to submit to me and then you can resist the devil. We get too much into, you know what? How can I do this? How can I do that? This is what God wants you to understand. Let me direct your path. Acknowledge me. Trust me. And I have promised you, I got you. Don't fall because it happened to me this week. My boss called me. She asked me, and my boss is a micromanager. Called me. And I, I told him, I'm back on this meeting, historic meeting. Bring the juvenile prosecutor of Dallas down to South Dallas to see the principals there. Telling them, well, I got to ask these questions. Da, 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 da. And I had got to a point where I said something like, well, that's silly. Now, this is my boss. I'm like, that's silly. Then she responds back, well, your silly boss wants to answer. Then I may have said, <laughs> I may have said, so you're taking it personal. Ain't nobody calling you silly. I got the meeting to go to. I got to go. All right? Bye. Bye. I may have gotten later that day, maybe we need to see one another person. I may have gotten that. Now, I eased it out. But it came to a point where my wife said, you know what? You're kind of going off on folk a little too much. And these folks got the right to fire you. I don't, I don't know if you know that, but you may want to curb that back. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, you know who I am. And we get to a point where, see that temptation? The temptation was, she asked me all these questions while she responded. I got you. I, I'll handle it. It'll be done. And normally, I do that with folk. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? When folk turn to you crazy, you're like, yes, the Lord bless you too. All right, thank you. That's hard. Cause I, especially in South Dallas, I've been called fat, boop, boop, you need to get boop out of here. I'm like, yes, I, I have a weight problem, but you need to, you need to still get these things fixed here. Well, you, Uncle Tom, boop, boop. Now I'm not an Uncle Tom, you work for the boop, boop, okay. And then I want to get with him. But God is saying, don't fall into temptation. The only way I can't fall into temptation, I got to submit my life to Christ. Now, this is where I really felt bad, because at the end of the day, on that day with my boss, I talked to somebody else, because I was ready to quit. I was like, oh, you know what? I find me another job, because I don't got to do this. This bop, 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 And the young lady was like, you know, you're the living message for Christ. Oh, daggum. <laughs> I'm the living message for Christ. Now, now I'm about to start tearing up like, Lord, I'm messing up. Because I'm allowing all this other stuff that was in my life to affect this situation that could affect other situations. So why don't I submit myself to the Lord and let him work it out? I don't have to go fight my battles. That's the one thing God told us. He says, you don't have to fight the battle anymore. The battle is the Lord's. He said that. All you got to do is stand back and worship him. He says, I got your back. I got your front, your back, your side to side. All you got to do is walk with me humbly and walk with me. That's all you have to do with God. And so we get to the point where we have we ask God, God's got our daily needs. God says, if you forgive, I'm going to forgive you. And God says, now I got, I'm going to protect you from temptation. Now the evil one, briefly. I had got to a point in my life 
Well, like, well, Satan is not omnipresent, which he's not. He's not omniscient, which he's not. But what I was failing to realize, that Satan is still powerful. Satan is not omnipresent, but Satan can get to L.A. to here in a hot minute. Satan may not be everywhere, but he can move fast. Satan may not know my future, but he know what I'm doing right now. He know what we trying to do as a church. If you don't think we were under some constant attack in September and October, where my whole focus was like, Lord, I just don't want my wife to die. I'm at that point where I don't understand why she's throwing up, throwing up, where she is sick. Where I'm like at a point, I'm trying to struggle with this job, trying to struggle pastoring, and trying to struggle being a father. And at the most, I'm trying to struggle how to be a husband. And financially, Lord, now these bills are coming in. Lord, help me. And that's where we have to understand that even Jesus had to talk to God and said to, about Peter. Peter, I'm praying for you because the devil desires you. He want to shift you like wheat. I, I, the devil want to tear you up. And he said, you know what, Peter, you're going to mess up. But I'm praying that you're going to come back and help strengthen your brothers. This was right in the same line where he tells Peter that you're going to deny him. <coughs> Peter did a lot of big talk. But Peter fell to temptation. And God was able to restore him. What am I trying to tell you? Yeah, the devil is busy. He's busy. And he got 130 angels. They busy too. And they all under him. Everybody, they busy. They don't take no vacation now. They ain't worried about getting burned out. They ain't, you know, they don't fall back time with just another hour to get busy. But God has told me, you don't fight Lucifer. You don't fight the demons. You submit your life to me. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. Submit your life to me. And so when we have that protection, we have that. God is asking us, lastly, he wants us to fall to our knees in humility. We got to humble ourselves. We, I hope everybody understands we're not perfect and your stuff does stink. Some of us got some hot, hot garbage lives going on. Some of us, the dump yard ain't got nothing on you and myself. Some of us have struggled for years on certain situations. Some of us are in an insecure spot that we've been insecure because our mom and daddy told us we weren't smart. Some of us have been in a situation where mom and daddy did support you, but you went to a school where you got bullied, where you were told, well, I don't even know how you got here. And so you have always questioned yourself. But God has said, walk humbly before me, and I'm going to show out in your life. And then God is asking us, I just need you to repent. Don't try to repent. Well, I'm going to repent of the drugs. I'm going to repent of the alcoholism. No, God is asking us to repent of our turning our back on him. When I turn my front to him, my face and my eyes are focused on him. God said he is just and able to take care of everything else in my life. We don't have to worry about the drug problem. God's got that. We don't have to worry about financial issues. God's got that. We don't have to worry about the sexual issues that we may have. God's got that. But you got to submit your life 
to God. That's what God's asking. God is not asking you to deal and figure out how you can manipulate all this. God said, stop being a manipulator. Start being a submissive person. Because so many times we try to manipulate the situation. God said, let me show you how I can control the situation. Any person that's in my hands, no man can pluck them out. Including yourself, you truly are a child of God. So we come to that repentance and then so that he might forgive my sins and heal our land. Do you want a healing today? Do you want to heal from what you've been going through? Are you ready for the healing? Are you ready for a breakthrough in your life? Why? Why? Wait. I know God calling somebody today. I know God's been praying and talking to you throughout the week. So why hold back? Why let your past and how you were hurt in your past still control you today? Some of us have been locked in a jail cell of hell. And we wonder how, to, how can I get out? And Jesus says, I got the key. And I open the door. Won't you come on walk out with me?